Well, we've taken a look at third base. We've taken a look at catcher. We've taken a look at the starting rotation. We've broken down the bullpen. We've talked about the outfield. So naturally, all that's left is just the rest of the infield, right? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a look at the rest of the infield, talk about what that group as a whole will look like, could look like, I guess is probably the better way to put it, in 2023, all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay. So, uh, oh, wow. Literally right when recording starts, uh, the Astros have signed first baseman Jose Abreu to a three-year contract. There you go. That actually kind of plays in, I guess, somewhat to what we're going to talk about today. So, As we said in the cold open, we have already covered pretty much every positional group there is on this team and what it could look like and who we're targeting and how we can improve the area of that team in 2023. Uh, We've done everything except the infield sands third and catcher. That's that's all that is left. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And... I think that there's still conversations surrounding some of these. There's a debate about what happens at shortstop. There's a, there's a conversation about what happens at second base. And as we've brought up several times already, just in this offseason, there is obviously a topic about what happens at first base. So first and foremost, as we have for all of these positional group ranking whatevers, um, I, I want to take a look at the infielders currently on the Detroit Tigers 40 man, just so we know where we stand currently and we can talk about what areas they need to improve on and where we go from where we're at. I think that makes sense. So Javi Baez, obviously the big money signing last off season, the shortstop for your Detroit Tigers sounds like will be your shortstop in 2023 as well. We'll get to that in a second. Then you have Cody Clemens, Andy Ibanez, a waiver signing from a couple or waiver claim, I guess I should say, from a couple of weeks ago. Ryan Kreidler, new additions, Andre Lipsius and Winsiel Perez. Then you have Jonathan Scope, Zach Short, still on the 40 man. Shout out Zach Short and Spencer Torkelson, obviously. So when taking a look at the infield right now, You obviously have a huge void at third base. And we had that conversation a couple of weeks ago, and that's not what this this, today's show is not going to be about third. We're not going to talk about third too much because we did a whole half-hour show just on third base, uh, whatever that was, two weeks ago now. So you can go watch and and, and listen to that if you want uh, the thoughts on third base as a whole. Outside of third, okay, the only thing that we've gotten really any sort of solid concrete, not evidence, that's not the right word, but some concrete substance of like we know what's going to happen in 2023 is 
Javi Baez, the plan is still today, is going to be the shortstop for your Detroit Tigers in 2023. And I know immediately that upsets people, and he's very controversial, and he had a down year to Javi Baez standards. He had a down year to the amount of money that we're paying him. All objectively true, okay? I think that, and I've said this uh, in, I think, in the Javi Baez breakdown probably is when I said it. There is still a lot of good that can come from Javi Baez. This is not just an empty void, and he's not just going to be terrible, and he's not the worst player in baseball. And there is very much a salvageable product here in Javi Baez. Okay? Now, year one very clearly did not go to plan. I'm not trying to argue that year one was like some great good thing that we look at and we're like, wow, good start to this deal. No, not even remotely what I'm trying to do. I would never, I would never, <laughs> I would never try and, and, and convince you that or push that narrative. What I am saying is that there is still quite a few years left on this deal and he has the raw ability and the talent to still be productive and, and still be one of the better players on this team. I've said it a lot throughout this season, and I will say it again. I think Javi Baez is a very, very, very good option for a team's like fourth best hitter. I don't know. Fifth might be too dramatic, but like, if you have a clear top three bats on your team and Javi is like the, the third, I guess, or fourth best hitter in a lineup, that's a pretty darn good lineup. And there's not as much pressure. You, you're not, your entire lineup is not banking off of his like peaks and valleys throughout the season, right? Like, oh, Javi's in a cold streak. We're not going to score any runs for the next, you know, week and a half. Or, oh, Javi's on a hot streak. Get ready to score five for the next two series for the first time in three weeks. Like that's uh, when he's the best player, you're, you're putting way too much stock in a very streaky hitter. And he objectively has been throughout his career. So I, I think that the, he can still be a very valuable piece. He has had some elite, some of the best defensive seasons we've seen at the shortstop position in the 21st century have come via Javi Baez. Like he has the ability to do that. It's all throwing errors which is something he very much needs to work on because he led the league in them pretty comfortably in 2022. So if we just roll out, in our, if he repeats his season, that's obviously bad. I'm just trying to say that there is a, a reality in which he snaps back and takes some steps forward and is that player that we paid him and brought him on to be, Okay. He's going to be your shortstop. Scott Harris said earlier this offseason, the plan as it stands right now is for Javi Baez to be the shortstop. At this point, I would be pretty surprised. I know there's a good shortstop free agent market, but I would be surprised if they brought in a shortstop free agent. Now, Javi has played second in his career, and he plays a very good second base as he has shown the ability to play a very good shortstop. And I think, look, that would be awesome. Okay, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try to be like, well, maybe. No, that objectively, that'd be sick, right? Like, that'd be that'd be super cool. This is a phenomenal shortstop free agent class. 
Uh, the likes of, obviously, Trey Turner is probably there on top. Carlos Correa for the second year in a row. Xander Bogart, Stansby Swanson. Like, that is a very, very legitimate top four. That's one of the best shortstop free agent classes we have ever seen. The only one better might have been last year's, which had five very good free agent options. Obviously, Javi was part of that. So, this is a... a It'd be awesome. Like I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to sugarcoat it, and I don't want to be like, "Well, it'd be cool, but just like have faith, and everything's gonna be okay." Like, no, no, like that'd be sweet. Like that'd be awesome. And there really is no concrete excuse as to why the Tigers couldn't do that. I don't think it's gonna happen though. And I will say that you can build a winning team. You can take steps forward. You can be good in the future without signing one of these four fine gentlemen to play shortstop for your baseball team next year. It is possible. The only route to success for the Detroit Tigers is not signing Turner, Correa, Bogarts, or Swanson. Okay? So while it objectively would be sweet, Um, it's not, it's not like a deal breaker and it's, and it's not like, oh, you know, we, we need to do this to go forward. And I don't think they will. This team has a lot of holes. We've been talking about it for the last week, right? We've been talking about positional groups. This team has a ton of holes. They have positions that just don't have players in it right now. They have a lot of innings. They still need to get on the pitching side of things as well. This team has a ton of holes. And I'm not sure number one priority for the offseason for this front office is, hey, let's bring in another shortstop. And I know that Javi would then slide over to second. And I guess that technically is, is whatever, filling in the void at second base. That was Jonathan Scope in 2022. But I, I, I feel like there are much bigger fish to fry as it stands right now than improving a position in which you already have a lot of money invested in. Okay. Not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying, I don't think that's the front office's biggest priority is getting one of those four gentlemen. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, keep talking about the infield. Cause there's a lot of possibilities with, with uh, pretty much all three positions we're going to talk about. There's a plethora of opportunities and areas that, that they can improve on. So let's keep talking about it. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source of sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. Get the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball, soccer, esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. So, just finishing up the infield, finishing up, you know, by the end of this episode, we'll have talked about every positional group and, and the areas in which they are able to improve. So, I think that's pretty much it for shortstop. Uh, again, like that's that's something that in a perfect world, like yes, you would absolutely utilize. And if they did it, I would be very thrilled. I'm not certainly not saying it's a bad idea. 
but I don't think it's at the top of the wish list. I don't think that it's a huge priority. And I very much am of the belief that they can build a good team and fill out this roster without necessarily forcing themselves to do that. So we'll see what happens. But like I said, Scott Harris earlier in the offseason already said, like, Javi Baez is the shortstop next year, and that's what the plan is. So I I will take his word on that, and, and I will march forward belie- with the belief that Javi Baez will be the shortstop for this team in 2023. So where does that leave? I guess the right side of the infield is all that's left then, right? Because we talked about third earlier, um, whatever that was, two weeks ago. We've talked about short now. Let's talk about second base. I guess we can talk about second base. Well, let's just finish the 40 man first. Let's just go through. I I got sidetracked at, at Javi. Um, Andy Abanez is someone that I want to talk about. That's someone I absolutely want to talk about. I also just realized I didn't think I finished the rest of the 40 man. And now I'm realizing I totally did finish the 40 man, but I wanted to start with Javi because he's the most prolific and whatever. Andy Abanez is a not like a huge thing we need to spend on him, and I, he's certainly not going to be like a starter on opening day. But I do think that there is a chance Andy Abanez makes it through the winter. This is a waiver claim from the Texas Rangers, one of Scott Harris's first moves on this team, and I think that there's a, a really real possibility that he's one of the utility men on this team in 2023 and I kind of like it this is a dude that is 29 years old he will be 30 next season will be his age 30 year uh he spent a lot of time in the minors but in 2021 he had a 1.2 win season as a utility style player in only 76 games for the Texas Rangers had a 277 average and a 435 slug played plus defensively pretty much everywhere he went uh really solid season then in 2022 had a decent year in the minors uh power kind of dipped a little bit and he's never really been a huge power hitter at any level but um then in the majors only played in 40 games and was about just under a zero win so a replacement level player this year in 2022 for Texas his offense really struggled at the major league level in 2022 but his defense is where this to me this is basically like what people thought Harold Castro was like that's what I view Andy Ibanez as like I view this dude is a is a hit to contact style hitter that is a plus defender at a multitude of positions. This is what I I think people, like I said, I guess thought Harold Castro was. At first base in his career, he has a positive DRS and a a zero outs above average. So he's about a net zero, just slightly maybe positive defender at first base. At second base, he is a pretty comfortably a plus defender in DRS and OAA at second. Uh, third base, comfortably positive in DRS, zero in OAA, and is a zero. He has played nine innings in the corner outfield for whatever that's worth in 2021 and was a net zero defender there. So this is a dude that's played all over the infield, and like I said, even a little bit of corner outfield, but has played all over the infield sans shortstop and is a positive, defend- positive defender at all of those positions. Okay, that's great. 
That's awesome. We've had utility players for the last five years. All of our utility players played multiple positions, but none of them were actually good at any of them. This dude is, is a proven plus defender at three of the four infield positions. That's awesome. Okay. Now, offensively, 258 career average. Uh, this is at the major league level. 306 career on base percentage and a 384 career slug. Obviously, that slugging percentage is pretty low. Uh, he has eight career major league home runs and 116 major league games. So, yeah, definitely not a guy that's going to go out there and, and bring in a ton of home runs. But none of our utility players really ever have. And you don't really – you're not banking on utility players to <laughs> – provide the long ball. I think that's kind of maybe a little bit in over their, their pay grade for most of them. But the biggest thing that I want to highlight is his walk rate is 6% at the major league level for his career. His K rates only 14. So he doesn't strike out too terribly much, but that 6% walk rate isn't super high. Like it's not some incredibly impressive number, but it's certainly a lot higher than the like two and a half, three, three and a half percents that have honestly plagued, we'll call a spade a spade, plagued this team for the last three or four years all over the infield and at the utility spots. Okay. So I'm very okay with a dude that doesn't strike out very much and has a solid like 6% is, is, is fine. That's a middle of the road walk rate. Um, and again, just comparing him to Harold, just a little bit more. Uh, Harold was like the contact hitter, right? He was the, oh, he's a singles machine. He always puts the ball in play. Harold Castro's career Z contact percentage. It, I know it sounds like a big, scary stat. It's really not that crazy. It's just the percentage of times that when a batter swings at a ball that's in the strike zone, that he puts the ball in play, that he makes contact with a ball that's in the strike zone, Okay. Harold's career number at that is 87.1%. So far in his major league career, even with the poor offensive numbers this season, Andy Abanez is over 90%. Okay. The other one is his O swing percentage. That is not the amount, not the percentage that he makes contact with balls. O is outside the strike zone. Not the percentage that he makes contact, just the percentage of times he swings at any pitch that's outside the strike zone, okay? Andy Abanez's career in the major leagues is 31.6%, less than a third. Harold's, for his career, is 43%. Over 10% less, cha fewer chases. That was worded terribly. Has chased 10% fewer pitches in his major league career, Okay. So makes slightly more contact with balls inside the strike zone, swings at way less pitches outside the strike zone, is a plus defender all over the infield, and is not a drop-off or a big step up power-wise. Sounds good to me. Okay, so that's somebody that I wanted to highlight in this too. Again, certainly not a guy that's going to, I guess I talked about him for almost this whole entire second segment, but... Uh, we, we didn't really do a deep breakdown on him when the waiver claim happened. And I feel like there is a now watch like tomorrow he'll, you know, we'll sign three players and he'll get the ax just because that's my luck. But I, I really do think that there's a, there's a pretty solid chance that Andy Abanez is on this team through the winter. And I think that there's 
several other players, even in the infield alone, that they will prioritize to get rid of before they were to get rid of Andy Abanez. Okay, Zach Short, somebody that we've talked about. Don't expect to make him through the winter still. Um, honestly, Cody Clemens, don't really expect him to make it through the 40-man roster in the entire winter. We've talked about the outfield. I, 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 think, I think he's here. I think Andy Abanez is here. And that's kind of exciting. Again, like a dude that had a, a war of over one in less than 80 games in 2021, like has the potential to be a legitimate plus, like valuable utility man at the major league level. We'll see. Okay, let's talk about uh, the rest of the infield. We will need to talk about second base. We need to talk about first base, maybe some of the options out there in free agency. Let's do that uh, right after this. All right, third and final segment here, Locked on Tigers. So talking about the infield, let's talk about the right side of the infield. Let's get to it. So uh, I guess first and foremost, we can we – can, not foremost. I, I love saying that even though I don't mean foremost. First off, let's talk about Jonathan Scope, okay? Obviously had a dreadful season at the plate in 2022. Uh, we we did our deep dive on him. We talked about where the struggles lied, why it was such a, a brutal season for him at the plate. But he did have an elite season defensively, and that has made his value rather unique, okay? It, it's kind of weird to value somebody who is historically a power hitter, had no power and no contact this season, had a r- incredible glove, most outs above average of any position in the entire game of baseball. But like, was that even really worth the, the depths that he reached offensively were truly like really sad, honestly. So when we're talking about second base, the market for second free agency wise, isn't that amazing. Um, Gene Segura, Adam Frazier, and then you immediately, like after those two, you already started getting into like Josh Harrison territory, which I don't think we're doing again. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, Rugnet Odor, like you start getting into, you know, slightly above or slightly below replacement level players at this point in their career. So I don't think that they're just going to cut Jonathan Scope and be like, well, let's go sign Adam Frazier or let's go sign like Gene Segura is 33, almost 34 years old. Like, I don't know really what good that would do. We have Scopey for another year. He's on a contract for another year. Um, I guess you could, if you really were just like, get Jonathan Scope off my baseball team, you could cut him and then like throw Ryan Kreidler there. Uh, if you really wanted to, I am still of the belief that Ryan Kreidler is not, as it stands right now, ready to just play 162 games at at a position uh, and just like let him loose. I don't think he's he's offensively ready for that. He might be one day, but I, I don't think the plan for 2023 should be Kreidler an everyday starter at at any position. Uh, Lipsius and Perez, they're probably not going to start the season on the major league roster. I don't think those are guys that you can just be like, hey, here's the keys. Have fun. You're the starting second baseman this year. So there's really no options internally. And I don't think you can do that with Cody Clemens. He didn't have nearly a good enough season either offensively. I, I don't think there's any 
options internally, and I'm not sure there's any like options that are that great externally either. The only option would be <laughs> to sign a shortstop and move Javi over to second base, which we already talked about. I don't think that's happening. So I think we're likely in for Jonathan Scope in at second base in 2022. I think that that's likely. Now, trades are very real, and they're a thing, and they could happen. So very much Scott Harris could look at this roster and be like, you know what, there's no free agent options. We're going to go trade for a second baseman because I don't want Jonathan Scope to be my second baseman this year. That absolutely could happen. There's a, there's a very real chance that that happens, okay? So I think those are probably the two routes. I think Jonathan Scope is either your second baseman on opening day or you have to make a trade. I don't see them going out and signing somebody that's going to fill in the position of second base. I could be wrong, but I, I, I just looking at this market for that position and just like middle infield as a whole outside of those like top four shortstops is just like like pretty pretty meh. So I, I do think Scope will still be the, the second baseman for this team. I think we'll have the same middle infield. Um, he's going to have to hit. I think he's going to be on a much shorter leash. Okay, I, I don't expect this to be a, well, he's just going to be the everyday second baseman no matter what, like last year. And there's two reasons for that. One, next year will be an expiring deal. You don't have any incentive to like have to hang on to him. If he's struggling again, you can just get rid of him and just DFA him, whatever. Okay. Uh, second off, a lot of one of the, one of the differences between there's several one of the differences between defensive runs saved and outs above average is how the two stats grade positioning and the reason why Jonathan Scope's OAA was the best in baseball in any position and his DRS was solid but it wasn't like some elite number we've never seen before right like it wasn't even the best at second base um the reason for that is because of the shift and positioning and how outs above average calculates positioning versus DRS. So with the shift in which so much of that being a factor in why Jonathan Scope was such a good defender, according to outs above average this season, uh, I don't think that it, we're going to take a look at the all-star break at Jonathan Scope and be like, you know what, this is – uh, this is somebody that we have to start every single day and look at him. He's like going to have a 30 OAA by the end of the season. And no matter how bad he does offensively, we have to leave him out there because look how good of a defender he is. He'll be a plus defender for sure. I'm not saying he's just going to turn into garbage. Like he's going to be a, a positive defender, might even be a significantly plus defender again, but I, I, he's not going to like lead baseball in outs above average again because I don't think the positioning will allow him to do that. Okay. So, and, and there have been some other people out there that have already talked about that. And we've talked about that actually on the show uh, around when scope got uh runner up for second base goal. Well, we talked, we've talked about this before. Um, so I, I don't think that it's going to be like a handcuff situation where you have to look at, you have to hold on to scope throughout the entire season. Um, what does that mean for midseason changes? Uh, I guess, like, and if he's lighting the world on fire, maybe you trade him at the deadline. You probably do. I guess it depends on how competitive the Tigers are, but I, I would imagine that you trade him at the deadline if he's 
if he's like tearing it up. I don't know it, that 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 second what to do at second base is so unique and is so weird and different from what so many teams in the league currently are looking at and are used to. Like we have a guy that we know we're going to move on from, but there's no way we're extending him again. Um, but he was and, and like he was incredible at half of his game and like really really bad at the other half. And, like, we know we want to move on, and if another option presented itself, we would take it in a heartbeat. But also, I'm not sure there really is a better option out there. But also, you can trade. Like, it's it's just – it's such a uniquely weird scenario um, that that is, is hard to analyze. So, I think as it stands right now, I think we should just plan on scoping the second baseman, barring a trade, in 2023. And if he struggles and doesn't make it through the entire season next year, then I guess maybe then you give Kreidler a chance, right? You don't give him a chance in the first half. You start him off in the minors. If he hits well in AAA, then he can have second base for the second half of next year. Maybe. I don't know. It's weird. It's a really weird position. Lastly, first base. This one we've talked about a lot, so I don't want to spend too terribly much time on it. But uh, Spencer Torkelson is absolutely the long-term plan at first base. That's been said by Scott Harris even since he took over uh, just in the last few weeks, actually. This is is absolutely he is still the long-term plan there. That we've also said – I sound like a broken record. I've said it a billion times, and I'm going to say it again. There is no way the Detroit Tigers front office puts itself in a situation for the second year in a row where if Torkelson struggles at the beginning of the season, they don't have a legitimate plan B, right? Fool me once, fool me twice. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to get another option. I think that's why a lot of people going back to – yesterday's show the outfield show are kind of looking at Bellinger a little bit but like we're not getting Cody Bellinger I think are looking at like Will Myers because he's a right-handed outfielder that is a decent bat and hits well against well lefties because he's a righty but also has experience playing a solid first base and so I think you can kind of two birds one stone that situation with like a Will Myers edition, like you can, and like, I'm not in love with the idea. you like, you listened to yesterday's show, right? Like I'm not, I'm not head over heels in love with the, like, I'm not pounding my fist on the table. We need Will Myers on this team stat. Like I'm, you know, he's, he's still like a, like a one to two win player. It's not a vital addition, but I think that's why a lot of people are pointing to him because he can be that righty outfielder that we need. And if Torkelson struggles, then we have a backup option at first base as well. So there's a few players like that out there. Uh, and, and versatility is key. And we've talked about that throughout all of these positional breakdowns, right? We've talked about that with all the free agents that we're interested in. We've talked about it with the waiver claims. We have talked about it really just ad nauseum with everybody and like the people that we got rid of and why we got rid of them. Versatility is something that this front office is in love with and this management, AJ Hinch and co are in love with. Versatility is huge. And so I, I expect most of the moves they make to revolve around 
how to be the most versatile Swiss Army Knife team as they can possibly be and never be caught off guard by a situation. They want to be prepared for any late game situation, any starting pitching situation, any bullpen game by an opponent, any bullpen game by us. They want to be fully prepared and have the versatility that can lead them to success given any situation. I don't even know if that last part was English, but you get what I'm trying to say. And there are some players like that out there, as as stated. I think, I don't know, like, as far as hardcore first basemen, like, they only play first base, and we'll end the show after this. Um, I, I much more expect this team to, again, get somebody that can play first and somewhere else than oh, we're just going to bring in like Trey Mancini or Josh Bell. And if Torkelson figures it out and is hitting well, then like that player is just like kind of hosed and like isn't playing anywhere. <laughs> right. I, 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 I fully expect them to get somebody that that's a little more versatile than just like a, I only play first base or DH type of player. Okay. I think that's everything. Oh, somebody uh, said something yesterday. Kerry Carpenter was mentioned, and, and I didn't talk about Kerry Carpenter in the outfield show. Uh, yes, you are correct. I probably should have mentioned him. That's a very fair gripe. Um, and he, he did play corner outfield and hit decently well. Uh, the Tigers currently have Kerry Carpenter listed as a pure designated hitter. So that's why I did not bring him up yesterday. But... I can almost guarantee you he will record innings in the corner outfield. That's very fair. Uh, also, it doesn't change anything I said yesterday because Kerry Carpenter, also a lefty. So everything I, that that I said yesterday, even adding in Carpenter in that mix, still holds true. Um, oh, only other thing. I promise I'll let you go after this. Torkelson to third base. That's like a dialogue that some people like to have. And, you know, there's a conversation surrounding that. Well, why don't we just move Torque to third and then we can get an everyday first baseman? No. How about we don't? Um, <laughs> look, I'm, I understand that we drafted him as a third baseman. Um, that was weird. That was like objectively weird. And like no one understood it at the time. S- experts, scouts, other front offices, journalists, everyone was like, why? The only reason they did it was to try and honestly, like make it look more justifiable to take a first baseman number one overall, because in the, in the era of value that we live in today, where first basemen don't have as much value as other positions, um, they wanted to give him a look at third and, and yeah, like he, he's not going to, be like the starting third baseman. I if, if Spencer Torkelson recorded zero innings at third base in 2023, I would not be shocked. Like he, that's that's not happening. That's not an option. Um, if you are really in a bind and like you have to, then sure, go for it. But your plan should you should not be setting yourself up in an off season to come out of the off season in 2023. You're rolling into spring training with Spencer Torkelson being the third baseman for this team. One, he has pretty much close to no professional experience playing third. He's played almost exclusively first at the major league level. 
and even in the minor league level, as he got further and further into the minors and made it to the upper levels of the minor leagues, was exclusively a first baseman. Uh, and two, he just had a dreadful season offensively. I don't think we're really in the business of looking at uh, a prized prospect that just had a really, really brutal rookie season at the plate and going, hey, I know you really struggled at first. Why don't you figure out a brand new position that you didn't play in college? It's not like you played third at Arizona State, like that you really have not had legitimate playing time at because, you know, you're going to be the starter there. So keep figuring out whatever you need to figure out offensively and figure out how to be a good defensive third baseman. Like it's just not happening. Okay. So we can kind of eliminate that from our, uh, I don't know, conversation around the infield as well. That is, that is not on, I don't think that should be on anyone's radar for possibilities to happen at third base in 2023. Um, Spencer Jorgelson is very low on that list. Very low. I would be absolutely floored. I don't think that's, that's really worth too much more of a conversation than we just had right now. Okay. I think that's it. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts, not pockets. Yeah, that's it. We'll be back tomorrow. Hopefully we get some news soon. Uh, Next week is winter meetings. Can't wait. So this week we might have to to drag this week out and, and keep talking about what could happen, what could happen. Uh, and hopefully starting next week, we start getting some actual concrete rumors and like news and things that we can talk about. All right. Appreciate each and every one of, one of y'all. Uh, thank you so much for the consistent support. You guys are the best. Love y'all. Peace and love going to therapy is dope. And I'll catch y'all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.